You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly for September 21st, 2022. My name is Barry McBride. I am publisher of the OBR and a professional web dork, and I am here to host these festivities as we talk about the Cleveland Browns as they prepare to face uh, the dreaded Pittsburgh Steelers. With me here at always providing the uh, intelligence and logic to the program, uh, we have Mr. Fred Greedham. How are you doing, Fred? Doing good. Well, that's good Ready to hear. To talk about that fiasco, but more importantly, moving on. Exactly. On to Pittsburgh. Exactly. Um, I uh, promised some people on the water cooler forum this morning that uh, I would not uh, continue to pummel them with the details uh, of uh, the uh, uh, the game on Sunday. Uh, we all lived through that. It was not pleasant and not something we necessarily want to relive, but we will refer to it uh, a couple of times here as we talk about how this team regroups to face the Steelers. Um, as you know, if you are a, uh, uh, a loyal listener to this program, and I hope you are, uh, this show exists mostly to answer your questions. Uh, I come along here with uh, some questions for Fred to sort of lead things off, but really you are the key to the show. We want to hear from you in the chat room, uh, so fire away any questions that you might have uh, for Fred, uh, and uh, we will we will get going. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some good news that we got today. Uh, that being that Miles Garrett, Jack Conklin, and Joel Petonio all are cleared to play. Uh, Jadavian Clowney, of course, will not play. We had Winovich uh, and. Uh, I forget who else. Go to the go to the uh, Jesse uh, James. Jesse James. That's right. How can I forget that name? Go to the IR, uh, and they today they promoted uh, Rochelle and uh, Kunisic, uh, the linebacker, up to the main squad. But let's talk about Garrett Conklin and Betonio. Um, have you heard anything, Fred, from the team indicating exactly how ready these players are? Are they at a hundred percent? Or are they sort of walking wounded at this point? Well, I mean, I can only gauge. I was I was in the room when Miles did his post game, when he berated the booze, you know, and stuff like that. I did not see him acting. I don't know how you would, you know, if he was listed as a neck injury. He didn't mm -hmm. have anything on his neck, you know, like a brace or anything. He didn't look appear to be wincing or in pain or anything. On Monday, you know, Stefanski did not mention him, mentioned Clowney wouldn't play this week and James and Winovich wouldn't play. So usually they at least mention something, you know, that Miles has a neck. We'll see. He didn't right. say anything. We were they had the pre-practice before we go out, right at the last second, they list guys that aren't going to practice and he was one of them with a neck injury and 
Um, he didn't practice. He wasn't out there in the half hour or whatever, 20 minutes we're allowed to see. Sometimes mm-hmm. the players will catch him walking out as we're going in, but did not see him. Not a big surprise with the short week. I don't think, to be honest, I think it's a little bit of gamesmanship. I'm sure he had a sore neck, but I did see Batonio was over on the bike. It's hard to know how injured a bicep is or a neck. I'm right. sure he's sore or whatever, but I don't think there's any question they were going to play. But it right. was just, I think a lot of that took off because Stefanski gave his, I don't know, we'll see. You know, we only have yeah. a couple of days till Thursday, and you just never know how quick guys are ready to go. So today when they put out, you know, the injury update said Clowney was out. We already knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, he he said that they expected Conklin and Garrett to play. And somebody said, well, what about Batoni? He goes, oh, yeah, I forgot him. So if the PR guy or, you know, spokesman is saying that, I would think that the, they're planning to play, that there's no question. I, I, I know in the post game, even, Garrett – said he was saying he thought Clowney would be able to go Thursday. So there was no, seemed no question that he wasn't going to play. Right. You know, he didn't even say that. But obviously Clowney is not playing. He didn't get put on IR. So that means hopefully it's not at least a four-week injury. You know, you never know with him. He seems like he always has things here, there, everywhere. But – no, I expect them to be ready to go. But they're going okay. to be thin on the defensive line with Winovich out as well. He was the third defensive end. So now you're going to have basically two rookies, Isaac Wright or Alex Wright and Isaac Thomas, along with Garrett. And they brought mm-hmm. up Isaac Rochelle, who a lot of people thought really played better in the preseason than Winovich because he didn't play. He had that hamstring the whole, you know, deal. So he's going to get his chance. But the other telltale side about Garrett, they didn't sign an outsider. I mean, Rochelle is just kind of a standard to take Clowney's spot, I would assume. Right. So, you know, and you, you really had two go down in Clowney and Winovich. So, you know, they only brought up one at this point. All right. So uh, I, I sort of figured that Garrett um, would uh, uh, be taking a day off just because of all those double and triple teams that he faced, especially after Clowney. I mean, he had to work very, very hard on Sunday and then get ready on a short you know, turnaround for Thursday night. So it didn't surprise me at all that he wasn't out there practicing. But this whole thing about the neck injury sort of came as a surprise. Yeah, I mean. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if it was sore or anything like that. I don't know the extent, you know, you know, we get no information. And, yep. and I think, like I said, I think part of it's gamesmanship. You know, if you're a, a young stealer offensive lineman, you might take a little sigh of relief thinking, you know, and it might catch, you know, you might for a little bit just relax a little, you know, yeah. until you find it, you know, and, they're human beings. And so I'm sure that, you know, when you hear news, Oh, you know, like I'm sure it kind of, 
you know, the Browns, TJ Watt not playing, had to let a little bit of the, as much as you should be intense, you know, he's the best player they got. So how can you not sigh of relief, you know? And, you know, it's like, we talk about this stuff every week. Okay. You think last week, the Jets lost their two top tackles. They're playing a third stringer who who got roasted the week before. Mm-hmm. We talk about they're going to have a field day, and it was anything but a field day. You know, yeah. it's like, why is well. that? Why yeah. is that? And so I think a bigger one is the boost getting Jack Conklin back. You know, they confirmed that they expected him to play. I think the plan all along was for him to play this game. Kind of mm-hmm. like last year, they kind of let OBJ was going to play at the beginning of the year, and we all know he didn't play to like the third game. So I think Hudson played well the first game, so they just had him play again and gave him experience. But this could give a – you know, this is a bigger game. You know, they're all important, but there's no question to me this is like starting the season fresh tomorrow night. I mean – this yep. is more important than the first two games. You know, when in the AFC North in the division is much more important. I can talk about that a little bit more as we go on. I wrote a story. It's coming out in the morning about that. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get into that in just a sec. But, uh, of course, if you're listening to the show, you watch the game on uh, uh, Sunday, unless maybe you had uh, direct TV, which apparently was a disaster uh, the entire time. But uh, we're not going to recount it, but – Fred, how much do you think that embarrassing loss to the Jets and all those miscues will feed into a desire to answer critics against the Steelers, right? Do you think that will show up on the field somehow because of the quick opportunity to sort of go out and redeem themselves uh, on uh, national television? Well, I would think so. I would think that they would come into that stadium, you know, with a lot of vim and vigor you know, that we were embarrassed. Everybody's laughing at us, you know, saying that we're not a very good defense. We're ranked, you know, down there giving up 27 and a half points a game, 26th in the NFL, passing defense, 26th in the NFL, 258 a game. Those hot shot defensive backs better come in with an attitude of that was embarrassing. We're going to lock them down and show and not, respond on Twitter and say, Hey, that wasn't my fault. I'm still grading high. You know, it's like go out and, and show why you were a first round pick. You got two first round picks at corner. You got a first round pick or, or a second round pick at corner. He's not playing in Greedy Williams. You got a, your yeah. top pick this year in Emerson. You got a high price free agent in John Johnson. You got a second round pick in Grant Delpit and a third round pick in Ronnie Harrison. It's time to get up and play. I think these guys are good players. We saw them play well last year, but you can't just show up or relax when you get a lead. Mm-hmm. And I think Joe Woods, it's on him to simplify things and take all the, you know, risk of miscommunication out of it by saying, Denzel, you see number 11, that's your guy everywhere right. he goes and an opposite would Newsome and so forth. I mean, that's simplifying things, but my goodness, I learned in junior high and in high school, 
that you never let anybody get behind you in when when you, you have a lead late in the game. And we used to make fun of Greg Williams because he'd put Jabril Peppers 20 to 30 yards yeah. behind. Right. And he wasn't as fast. And they did that so nobody got behind him. Well, how in the world can you let guys get behind you two games in a row on bombs? I mean, even if you would put a wall of guys back on the goal line, at least you can tackle them before they score. You cannot let them just run free and then run, you know, uncontested down the field like that. I mean, that was embarrassing, and I didn't even play. I just watched it. Yeah, after the game uh, on Sunday, um, of course, our the water cooler forum and Ask the Insiders both went pretty nuts, right, because people were so upset about the game, understandably so. And the initial reaction was to, you know, we got to fire the coaches, right? which again makes sense because the coaches are the most replaceable of any part. So if you're going to reboot anything, uh, you know, you're going to have to reboot the coaches. You're not going to reboot your, your defensive. Well, how do you do secondary. that in the middle of the season? Exactly. I mean, I've right. I've never seen that work. Exactly. Right. I mean, um, I I've seen changes in quarterbacks, you know, a position here or there have an impact, but getting rid of your defensive coordinator and your defensive backs coach, on three days notice before the next game, you know, that's not going to work, obviously. But we get down to the question of whose fault is it really? Is it the coaches? Is it the coaches teaching? Is the scheme too complex? Are the players not learning it? Are the players dialed out once we get a lead? You know, it's it's hard to pin that finger of blame on any one thing since we're not out there on the field and we're not standing there on the sidelines. Um. And, you know, I, I rely on people who know a lot more about the sport than I do to sort of help guide me to the right answer. But uh, I don't know, Fred, do you have players a sense? play the game? You know, you give, yeah. I'm not picking on him, but you give Denzel Ward a hundred million dollars, a hundred million dollars. Think about yeah. that. If he cannot cover a man one-on-one, then I don't understand what a hundred million is for, you know, and Greg Newsome is heading that direction as far as, you know, he's probably played as well as Ward did in his first year or year and a couple games. And, And if that's the pay grade, I'm like, come on now. You know, if you don't trust him, I had heard from Joe Woods, you know, he wanted to get these aggressive lockdown corners you know, high picks, so you can put them out on each side and shut down, you know, their two outside guys, and then you can do a lot more. I'm, I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing, like, dropping into zone, you know, and, and letting Joe Flacco dink and dunk his way all the way down the field. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially in that game-winning drive, everybody on the everybody on the planet knew what they were doing. If you're going to let them catch it with no timeouts, tackle them in bounds. But they were letting them catch it on crossing routes right before they they catch the ball and run out of bounds, 10, 15 yards. You know, and it was like, I don't get this. Why don't you get aggressive if you have the confidence and in, in all the money you put into these guys? I could see if it's Robert Jackson. And you remember in the playoff game when you had your seventh corner out there against yeah. Roethlisberger and they were 15 yards off the line and – Roethlisberger went hut and threw it 
left, right at the line of scrimmage. And but go up and press these guys. I'm not seeing like the corner blitzes or the safety blitzes or the linebacker blitzes. I, I just it's really befuddling to me. He talks about in our weekly press conference with him. And of course there wasn't any this week because of the one day, but Joe Woods has said he wants to be aggressive. He feels he's aggressive. I'm not seeing anything aggressive. I mean, I'm thinking an immobile quarterback like Flacco, you should have hit him from every direction. You Mm -hmm. got two sacks. I mean, and and that was the only turnover in the game on the one. So it's like, I'm just, I'm just thinking you gotta, you gotta dial up whatever, you know, was successful last year, what the players are comfortable with. And I, it seemed like going in this year, you had the whole returning secondary and linebackers. The only two moving parts new were the two tackles on defense. And I mean, that's pretty much a given what your job is. You just, on hut, you just kind of plug up holes. So right. I assume they knew their assignments. They pick up where they left off. So I don't know what they've changed that they are not communicating. But well, it is the worst loss I've ever seen in covering the Browns, you know, in over 30 years. I mean, the Dwayne Rudd was a fiasco. The Courtney Brown, those against the Bears, you know, that mm-hmm. 2001 when, or 2002 when they gave up two touchdowns in the final two minutes. But, right. I mean, that was an expansion team that was terrible. This is supposed to be a playoff team or better. And the only question was, was your quarterback? And your quarterback's been playing lights out the last four, four or five quarters. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that sort of bugs me and understand that, uh, you know, uh, I'm not an X's and O's guy or whatever. I've never coached defense or whatever. But uh, with the um, defense, you would think that the strategy of just saying, oh, we've got Garrett and Clowney and we can create pressure with our front four and we can lay our other guys back a little bit, you know, in, in in, in defense makes sense, right? you get natural pressure from these expensive, very uh, qualified def- uh, edge rushers, right? So you don't need to go crazy with a lot of blitzes. But once that's not working, and it's obvious that it's not working, or when you lose Clowney, then comes the time to adapt, right? Then comes the time that you have to change things up a little bit. And I didn't see that on on Sunday. I don't know. Am, am I right, Fred? Should they have adapted at that point? Or were they right to just say, okay, Garrett and Clowney have, have got this knock? Yeah, I think you have to have a plan B for sure, because if anybody thought Jadavian Clowney was going to play every game, you got another thing coming. I mean, he just always is dinged up, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. not saying he's soft, but I see in training camp preseason, he's always got something injuries over on the side, you know, dealing with, you know, and then you see him in the second game you know, limp off and he doesn't return. You know, there's some guys that seem to be able to bounce right back and other guys that don't. So I'm not saying he's not hurt, but you cannot assume that that he's going to be available all the time. And I think that's why they got Winovich. But then he's been, you know, more injury prone in the little time he's been here. In fact, I got the idea that 
Winovich or James, one of the two might be lost for the season because Stefanski mm. hemmed and hawed when they put him on the injury reserve for four weeks, said, well, are they season-ending injuries? And he said, I'm not sure yet. So, right, you know, okay, so if you're down him for the year, you really are counting on two rookies. You know, one was the seventh-round pick and one was a third-round pick. So hopefully right you know, can step in, but, you know, that's a big leap from the University of Alabama, Birmingham to the NFL. He showed some signs, but not enough of them yet. So, yeah, I'm hoping this Isaac Rochelle, who did pretty well in preseason, but not enough to make the team can help because you cannot rely on Clowney. You don't know if he'll be back, you know, in a week and a half, or Mm -hmm. even if he is, he just seems to – always get dinged up or have something here or there. But, yeah, when he's on the field, it's very effective. That's why you really need to find the long-term answer opposite Garrett. There's just guys that it seems like, you know, you can depend on weekend wipe out or else get an extra one or two of them so you don't have to go through this all the time when, when you have some type of injury that you're shot because – I would have thought maybe they'd have reached out for Sheldon day. He knows the system he's plugged and mm-hmm. played before, but yep. um, they're going to go with these young guys and, and uh, we'll see what happens. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Well, uh, I've had my chance to rant a little bit here. I had it in the post-game show and again today. So uh, let's hand it off to uh, the folks hanging out with us in chat. Go to their questions uh, rather than uh, uh, rather than uh, my stupid questions. And the first one comes from Fumble13. He says, I hope Stefanski puts both Chubb and Hunt together in the backfield this week and we see a few screenplays. I don't understand why he went away from it on <coughs> Sunday. Um, any good explanation for that? Did anybody ask that question, Fred, about uh, the uh, two-headed monster in the uh, backfield? Well, you mean good explanation by the coach? Yeah. <laughs> because we get no explanation from the coach. His right. his only comment about the two together is it's game plan specific week to week. Like, it worked so well in the first week when we asked him, well, that was great, good idea, way to go. We're going to see, well, it's a week-to-week, and I get that, that they're trying to make the opposition think, but obviously they didn't use it against the, you know, against the Jets. I know you get a game plan, but can't you adjust on the fly? I mean, it's hard to complain 
when Nick Chubb goes for three touchdowns. And, you know, again, they got 184 yards rushing. But, again, you're going against a good defense here, a veteran defense, obviously minus T.J. Watt. But I just think that it's a – I beat this into the ground. It's another weapon when you got two of them on the field at the same time. We know the receiving core is not deep. You can count on Amari Cooper, and I think you can count on Peoples-Jones, even though he kind of disappeared again. Um, and the tight ends, Harrison Bryan, Njoku, kind of a mixed bag. You know, Njoku again makes a play, then he drops an easy one, then he doesn't get his feet inbounds on a touchdown. So Hunt and Chubb are two of your best weapons, and I continually – beat the drum to have them on the field in the passing game is where I'd like to see them. You know, if you're worried about beating them down running, flare them out and either throw this, the screen left or right to one or the other. I mean, mm-hmm. I would think both of them would draw a good amount of defenders. So if they're covered, that opens up something else. But yeah, I mean, I don't get the thinking, Sometimes I think they outthink themselves like, well, they're going to prepare and take that away. So let's not use them this week together. That's what it sounds like is that when it's game plan specific for the week, why wouldn't you just say, Chubb, Hunt, you can't stop them. Let's see you stop them. And then Mm -hmm. maybe we'll do something else. But I I think you're, you're giving in too early if you don't even try it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to rant for a second, just for a second. The response that we get from coaches, not just Stefanski, it's all across the league, uh, is is really sort of, uh, you know, you guys can't understand this. You guys don't understand this uh, because, you know, you're not coaches and, uh, you know, you don't get it. So I'm going to oversimplify everything. I'm going to tell you nothing. And that seems to me to be something that was effective 20 years ago. But nowadays, we have people doing analytics full time, things like pro football focus, giving spewing out grades and numbers. We've got X's and O's guys on the Internet. We've become so specialized and the average fan has become so much more uh, knowledgeable than they were 20 years ago, in my opinion. Um, It just seems to me it's time for the coaches to sort of change the way that they try to communicate with fans in the media. Um, because this, you know, saying nothing and providing no evidence of expertise on their part, um, you know, it just makes people, you know, leery about them after a little while. That's my rant. I'm, well, I'm it's done. the analytics driven era and that plays into it. That part of that philosophy is give out no information. So right. the opponent has nothing to go on or as little as possible. I mean, that's where, I mean, to be honest, what does it matter if you tell me that a guy's got a broken leg and he's out for the season? I don't know mm. why that hurts to say that publicly, you know? Right. If it if he's injured, but it's not for the season, I guess if you see him on crutches, they, you kind of know he's got a, a leg injury. But all I can think of, it, it's something that they're filing away for down the road to attack that area on the individual, but um, I don't know. It tells me that that's what they're looking for in other teams. 
And I know even going back to the days of Bill Belichick when he was there, he had people scouting all the press clippings and everything mm-hmm. being written about the opponent to try to find a, a particular injury. That That's why he didn't give out any information. He was like the first one, and it's everybody's copied what Bill Belichick did, yeah. you know, almost yeah. with the media. Some are a little nicer, smile, but it is almost a waste of time, you know, to be honest, to talk to him because you're like, uh, I mean, I can get Stefanski being even keel after a win, but it'd be nice to see him go on a rant after a loss. You know, you just feel like, I don't know what it's like in the locker room, but I don't know if they show it or I don't even really watch those shows. The Browns do inside the locker rooms and stuff, but um right. I don't know if he ever gets upset, you know, or heads roll, you know, you just feel like it's just like, okay. And that's partly that's the demeanor of the players, the demeanor of the coaches. And Mm -hmm. I just don't know. I don't know if they have a meltdown this week, if he'd fire anybody, I just think that he's a, at the end of the season, we might make, but they've made no changes in the three years. You can look at that. It's great to have continuity, Mm -hmm. but, um, I, I don't, I don't understand, you know, with, like I was saying, the performance of the defense, you got the same players in the same system and they're still, you know, looking like it's the first time they played together, you know? So yeah. it's, you would like to see the wrath, I guess, I guess it'd make you feel better a little bit if somebody threw a helmet or threw threw something around here and there and, and showed a little fight instead of just like, Oh, well, you know, I can't believe they boot us. I mean, I make my 125 million and you guys are upset, you know, Hey, Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. I'd like them to get mad. Yeah. Pick it out. Show show that you want things to change and we're not just rolling with the punches again. Um, But uh, uh, you know, that, they have that mantra of tough, smart, and accountable. And we haven't seen the accountable part yet, I don't think, uh, or not much of it. Uh, which leads us to the next question from Manuel1955. He says, is anyone on the, I'm assuming, hot seat coaches and or players? What's your opinion on that, Fred? I haven't got any indication that for the things I've seen in the three years, Kevin Stefanski doesn't seem to be quick to make a move. I mean, in the off season last year, they moved Petsing to quarterback coach, but that was an in-house move and, you know, they little things here and there, but I don't see him being one that's going to fire Mike Prefer or fire Joe Woods. Maybe I'm wrong, but I would think if that happens, it would come from above. Like the owner just says, we got to make a, yeah. a move now because these are the guys he brought in and he wanted. They're his friends he's worked with and he's comfortable with them. And I just, I don't know in the season if it does you any good. I mean, you can say the Greg Williams, but Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator. So he was already running the defense. He was already well known on the, on the, by the team. So he Mm. just stepped into being the interim head coach but he brought a night and day difference in discipline. Um, I mean, Stefanski's easygoing. He's firm, but 
I don't know if he really is going to get in the face of anybody. You would like to see him maybe bench. How about if it is Grant Delpit who's been burned back to back because he didn't cover? How about put him on the bench? Try DeAnthony Bell back there or mm-hmm. uh, Richard LeCount or somebody else. You know, the only one really been benched is Winfrey. And I always feel that's kind of the proverbial pro- proverbial rookie thing. It's always easy yeah. to to do that to a rookie. Like he's got to, you know, and he might get the message now, you know, but I mean, these other guys aren't 10 year veterans. Grant Delpit's basically a second year guy. He missed his first year, but so anyway, I, I just, I know it's a different breed of players. Most players make more than the coach, but you'd like to see a little more fire coming from them. It's just my Absolutely. Well, one of the things they did is they had a players-only meeting for the defense. And uh, I guess the question is, uh, I saw somebody ask this on Twitter, and uh, Fumble asked the same question. Is that a good thing, or is that a sign of trouble that these guys are holding player-only meetings? Well, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I think it's like it's good to talk and say, look, you know, I hope they said, I'm very embarrassed in national TV, we do not want to, we want to turn this script completely around. And that's one of the best things about Thursday night, you know, they can go out there lay, you know, and, and lay the medal to the Steelers and everybody will forget what happened just a couple of days ago, because you're two and one, you're in first place, you're one and on the division. And you remember, in Stefanski's first year, they went over to Baltimore and got hammered 38 to six in the first game against the Ravens. And everybody's like, Oh my gosh, the Browns are the same old Browns, you know? And then they had a Thursday game two or three days later at home against the Bengals at first energy on Thursday night football. And they went out and beat them 35 to 30. Everybody Mm -hmm. kind of forgot about that 38 to six waxing. And so, Um, they have the same chance Thursday night. Um, that's all that the national is going to talk about is look how embarrassing that nobody has done that in over like 2,200 games. And Oh yeah, right. it was the Browns the last time. So if you go out there and, and take it to, you know, your rival who is without Ben Roethlisberger and without TJ Watt, there's no reason they shouldn't go out there and hammer this team Thursday night and put a lot of that to rest. But will that happen? I have no idea. I thought the Browns would beat the Steelers both times last year, and they didn't either time. So that's the NFL. It's one of the frustrating things I have. You know, I know it's the any given Sunday, and Goodell wants everybody to be 9-8 and eight or 8-9. Eight and nine. But mm-hmm. I kind of wished if you had a good team, you just went out and you, you knew you're going to win. It's just, is it going to be close or is it going to be a blowout? Like it right. was in the old days with Woody Hayes. Was it going to be 50 to nothing <laughs> or 60 to nothing? These teams are not serious. They're just coming in to get blown out and get a paycheck. It's not like that in the NFL. And that's how a, I think the Jets were, what, the 32nd ranked team in the power rankings come in mm-hmm. there and laid it to the Browns. So yeah, we'll see. But they have a chance to get that out of their get that out of their system in a hurry, rather than wait around till Sunday to play. 
Well, we uh, we all looked at these first four games and said that they were winnable games. You know, we got to come out of it three and one or whatever. But each of these teams have talent. I mean, the Steelers still have Hayward. They have Fitzpatrick. They've got some great receivers. They've got an up-and-coming tight end. Uh, you know, they have talent, right? And they can beat you uh, unless you're showing up 100%. Um, this is uh, – let's, let's get to a question from uh, Rick on YouTube. Uh, he asked, why does Joe Woods not play man-to-man? Ward is better in man-to-man, in my opinion. Same with Greg Newsom. Um, do you think there's a, a chance that we might see some of the shift to that uh, after the lack of success uh, these uh, last couple of weeks? I don't know why not. I mean, I guess that's what I'm saying, either deep in the game I realize you don't want to let them get behind you and you could fall down or something, but, but why not have Ward on Corey Davis man to man? And even if you start 15 yards off the, so he cannot go by you. If you see he's running the go route, take off. It seemed to me better than in my mind, I saw Ward running side by side with him and he just stopped because it was obvious that it wasn't his job any further, but he acted like the whistle blew. Like he just stopped, you know? Mm. And I'm like, I don't, there was nobody else around him. Obviously right. he's probably supposed to cover that area, but it's like, okay, I know I'm supposed to get help, but I might as well just stay with this guy. Or once I saw turn around and running, because that pass was underthrown, he probably could have got back there and, and at least tackled the guy. Right, so right. I don't have a good answer. These coaches don't answer questions for you. We didn't get to talk to Woods this week. But all I said is he has talked about being aggressive. The guys know the system. And it just seems like they haven't been aggressive. You look at right before the half. Again, they let the Jets go right down there and score. Now, JOK said it was his responsibility on the guy who scored the touchdown. Okay. Everybody's taking the blame. But I want it corrected. I don't care whose fault it was. I want to see them shut them down. You mm. know, I'm not seeing any passes batted down. I'm not seeing any plays made on the ball because it seems like they're playing like more soft zone all the time instead of aggressiveness. And I guess that's what I was expecting, just like the question there from Rick, is that um, Ward can shut down one side. Newsom should be able to shut down another and then you got Emerson, Greedy Williams when he comes back, A.J. Green between them to handle the other guys or even right. a safety or two. So you're you're 100% right. That's what I was expecting. That's how they painted the picture, why they used first-round picks on Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom and second-round pick on Greedy Williams and a third-round pick on Martin Emerson, mm-hmm. John, uh, Grant Delpit a secondary that you can trust to cover wide receivers and tight ends and guys in the slot. All right. Next question. Also from YouTube. This is from uh Ferenc KM ask with uh, Jesse James out. Are we ro- only rolling with two tight ends? So, uh, I mean, if Bryant gets hurt, God forbid, or, uh, in Joku, are we down to one tight end this week? You know, uh, our Brad, he, he tweeted that Forrestal was going to be elevated from the practice squad. I know they elevated two guys, the active roster. I don't know if it could be that 
the linebacker Kunisik and the uh, defensive end Rochelle took the roster spots of Winovich and Jesse James. I think that's what happened. Um, and so if that's the case, then I think they still can bring up from the practice squad. And that would be where it would make sense that either Forrestal or Zare Mitchell Payton, they got to bring up a third tight end, especially, right. you know, Bryant was injured all week. He went out with a con or they thought he had a concussion. He got cleared, but then he finished the game with a thigh injury and a thumb injury. And he was, he didn't practice until today they cleared him off the injury report as full. So, I mean, Bryant went down like on the first series, I think, of that game. And they really just had Najoku and James. And then James got hurt. So, I think they're going to have, you know, they for sure would bring up a third guy in case they lose <laughs> one or two of the guys at the top of the heap. All right. Uh, we got a lot but of I guess questions. Michael Dunn can run patterns. and Exactly. You know, exactly. As a, as a fat guy, I want to see a fellow fat guy catch a touchdown. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, next question from Shruni. Wants to know if Perry and Winfrey's still in the doghouse or has he uh, dug his way out yet or not? He said he is. He said he's back. We interviewed him uh, Tuesday. He wouldn't talk about, you know, what it was, but he, maturity. And, you know, and I think, again, that was send the message early in the season. He's obviously done some things that aren't probably bad, but they're not acceptable for an NFL player. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully, I think what they're also trying to send a message, you know, hey, we need you to step up and be a pro and, and contribute. We got you on the roster, not just to collect a check. So uh, Stefanski said he expected him to be active. So I expect him to be you know, active tomorrow night. And in the rotation, if you remember in the first game, he was one of four defensive tackles rotating. He didn't get a lot of snaps, but he did bat down a pass of Baker Mayfield. So he got in right. on the action a little bit. All right. Well, uh, hopefully he can start to contribute uh, without further incident. Uh, when we were talking about, uh, you know, the difficulty in telling where the problem exactly is, you know, coaches, players or whatever, uh, we had a number of people blame the Brownie in the middle of the field for the problems. And I can tell you that's not the issue. Uh, the issue, obviously, is uh, EA Spurt 4, who takes the blame for Sunday's loss. So thank you for stepping up, and uh, you're on the hot seat, pal. I blame the, the dogs. Did you see those <laughs> statue dogs I tweeted? They, they had the players used to run out of a tunnel. Now they yes. have two monster swagger dog statues. It's scary. I mean, they had red eyes. I mean, what are you, an elf, a dog? I don't know what their identity is. I mean, they put the elf out there in the middle, and then they got two humongous statues that would scare any kid to death if they saw right. them. But they weren't cuddly. No, I put a I, I put a photo that included one of them in the newswire the other day, and. Uh, yeah, those are those are scary dogs. Ooh. Um, also, I think I'm to blame because with less than two minutes left, I popped my head out of my office and told my wife, "We're two and zero," and that was a kiss of death. That was a kiss of death. So, uh, I'm not going to make any more claims like that until the final gun sounds. 
Uh, next question from Ty Sox. Thanks for the question, Ty Sox. He says, do you expect Chester Rogers to be elevated from the practice squad? Give us a legitimate returner. I think so. Um, again, I think they have the practice squad moves, but again, they make, they make so many moves. It's hard to keep track of them. Um, but I do, I'll give you a little tidbit. If you didn't read my column yesterday, he did change numbers. He was wearing 83. He's now wearing 80. Him and the tight end Mitchell Payton swap mm-hmm. numbers. And I think it's real because they had the 80 had Rogers, his name on it. And the other 83 had Mitchell Payton on it. But I do, I expect Rogers to be elevated to be the punt returner. He's, he's six year veteran. He's, I think he's returned 110, 111 punts. Um, I, but again, they didn't make any moves on that. So as far as if they have two practice squad moves, I would say it'd be a tight end and Rogers. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Let's uh, let's get rid of that. Just had a snafu with my Mac, believe it or not. I didn't think Macs had snafus, but uh, apparently they do. Um, At any rate, uh, question from KB. Uh, he asked, what's the general feeling around the team with you guys being in Berea? So what is what is the sense that you got after that uh, uh, after that game uh, about what the mood of the team is? Well, we only had after the game and then Tuesday in Berea. Monday, we had a Zoom call with the coach and Ward. Delpit, Najoku, uh, Batonio. I mean, it, it was pretty somber, but they just say the same thing, you know. It's on us. We easy to fix. Wasn't like talent-wise. It was just mental mistakes and something like that. I think more than anything, it's the fire inside. To me, will they rally and come out determined? You know, mm-hmm. to not be denied of coming out of that game with a win Thursday night. It's, it's who wants it more, you know, do do the Browns want to be two and one and, and beat the Steelers or do the Steelers want to come in here and, and lay it to the Browns, you know, and spoil and make things even worse. So it's hard to gauge the mood. I've been around teams that seem to be, you know, down, but then go out and win. I've seen teams that were very confident last week. They're very confident you know, and they got beat and they played very confident the whole game. It just didn't play the whole game. You know, they, they quit after a minute, after 58 and a half minutes, they just quit playing. You know, that was, you know, I said it was like WWE, you know, I know a lot of you fans probably don't know it's scripted or fake, but if, if this would have been a WWE game, I don't know if you could have scripted it that good. I mean, think about that. What had to happen for them to win? Everything yeah. went wrong for the Browns and everything went right for the Jets. I mean, yeah. even though the blown coverage, then, oh, an onside kick that 14% is successful, boom, you get that. Right. And the rest history. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's all on the team. They got the talent. I, you know, I'm not backing up on this. This is the most talented team I've covered in my career, you know, and – I don't think they lost their talent. I just think it's up here 
and mindset of of going and, and taking it to it. If you had 53 Nick Chubbs, you probably, you know, would have won that game, you know, or Miles Garrett's or whatever. There's just some guys that just relaxed at the wrong time too soon. And hopefully it's a painful lesson, but they will learn from it. Right, right. If that was fiction, you wouldn't have believed it. Uh, we've got 14 questions in here and about 10 minutes left, so I don't know if we're going to get to all of them, but uh, we'll try and roll. we got questions from Fumble and Rick George uh, about uh, blitzing, and I think that we've dealt with that already. Uh, we're confused why there wasn't more blitzing and uh, if things aren't working with Garrett and the uh, defensive line tomorrow, adapt. Uh, EA Spurt asks uh, whether Joe Hayden has one more game in him. Uh, he's going to retire as a Cleveland Brown. But people talking about him as a potential safety during the offseason, right, Fred? But You know, uh, I think he was – he might have been lobbying for that. I don't think when he was sending pitchers out in a Browns uniform that he was planning on retiring, and that's mm -hmm. why he was sending it out. But I'm getting the idea there was probably no interest, you know, and he finally decided, okay, I, I need to retire. Right. right. I don't know why else. Maybe he – he obviously, if if he did want to play, you would have thought the gauge, there would have been some interest. But I know he came out in 2007, I think it was. Was that – or 2008 or something like that. I thought it was but, 2010. Actually. Oh, it could have been 10. That makes more sense. So that would be 12 years. So that put him about 33. Yeah. Most teams don't have 33, 34-year-old corners. And yeah. I remember several – guys even in Brown's history moved to safety and played pretty well because they can they know where to be and maybe they lost a right. step and I kind of really thought you know with the number of say I'd almost thought he'd be you know more interest than Richard LeCount and as the fourth or fifth safety back there in depth but evidently that's not what they're thinking but yeah he's going to retire Brown that probably makes the Browns fans feel a little better yeah. than he retires as a Steeler. And I always liked Joe, and it wasn't his fault. If you remember, Sashi Brown purged him, wanted to get mm -hmm. rid of that salary, and he was still a good player. I mean, yeah. he goes over to the Steelers, and he's like their lockdown corner. So it's not his fault. I mean, he didn't – if he got an offer or the best offer, I don't remember – I think the Browns traded him, didn't they? Well, uh, I don't think so. I think the Steelers snapped him up really quick. On waivers um, or something like that. Yeah, but, I couldn't imagine them trading him to the Steelers. Uh, well, it's just like trading him when you when you let him go. Yeah. So, yeah, best wishes to Joe. Always liked him. Good guy. All right. Next question from Kevin Cycle eighteen asks if we have a leader on defense. Says it seems like a lot of mellow guys on defense. Is is Garrett that leader? Is Miles Garrett that leader at this point? Or uh, Anthony Walker, or yeah, I, um, I think Garrett's getting there. Um, he's got a different personality for that. Doesn't have exactly the, you know, the get in the face attitude. Walker might, but I don't know. I think John Johnson could be. He's, um, they all they all have kind of a a different personality. I don't ha see a guy who's just uh, in your face type, you know, 
demands demands accountability. Um, right. You know, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom definitely are not at this point. Newsom, I think, could be. Um, yeah. I, I don't see a strong – I mean, don't get me wrong. They're, they're leaders. I just don't see a fire, you know, a guy that's just going to go up and knock you out because you screwed up and get in their face. Right. And I thought maybe JOK would be, you know, as he got more and more seasoned. I don't right. know. He he's a he's a a different personality as well. So right. um I would say Garrett, Johnson, Walker, probably your leaders, so the captains on the defense. Right. Um speaking of accountability, uh OG Philly wants to know Delpit Ward, excuse me, were forced to go out in front of the media as part of being held accountable. That's a interesting question. I was sort of wondering why they trotted them out there. Usually you know, with all those breakdowns in the defensive backfield, you would expect not to see those guys very much. Well, they don't always um, go by the requests of the media, but we can request who, you know, we want. Then they go mm-hmm. to the guys, and if they say, no, I don't want to talk. Right. But that very well could have happened, you know. Like after the game, they didn't – I don't think those guys were made available. And since you're only – able to talk to those you're made available on a zoom call. You know, I think they might've requested that. Um, I didn't, I didn't hear who was requested, but yeah. Okay. Ward isn't much of a, the media really doesn't want to hear from him much because he says nothing. He's a great right. guy, but he didn't, and Delpit was four questions. The first four, he said the same thing, communication error. He was grilled. That's what they're going to ask you about. And just keep saying that, you know, yeah, he looked like he'd rather be anywhere, but in that, <laughs> you know, if you saw it, but yeah, um, yeah it's uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't think they were trying to punish anybody. I think they, a couple people said, "Hey, we want to hear from them." Right. Yeah, that does sound more likely. Here's a question from Killer Shot Three uh, off of YouTube. He asked, "Why do we announce Clowney out now?" So they don't have to game plan for him. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Aren't they required? If a guy's going to be out with an injury, aren't they required to release that information? Well, they have to. Like Tuesday or no, Monday they didn't have practice, but they had to estimate if they would have had practice where he was. Um, I think it's a fine line. I, I think they knew he wasn't going to play, and so instead of holding out, you know, they just said he's out. But most yeah. teams only had one day of practice anyway this week. So I don't know if it makes that big of a difference. Maybe if anything, again, like I said with Garrett, maybe maybe the Steelers offensive line would relax a little saying, oh, good, we don't have to right. worry about both of them. I don't know. I mean, it's with injuries, Kevin's hard to know. Sometimes he get, he rolls the guy out and other times he – Hangs on. He could have said that with Conklin. You know, he said, well, we'll go right up and be hitting all the marks, hitting all the benchmarks. Well, then why didn't he play, you know, the first game? Yeah. Oh, no, no setback. He's hitting all the bench. Okay, well, then why didn't he play the second game? Because you were planning on waiting until the third game, but they never say that. Right, right. Let's go to the next question. It's from Eric Grover on Twitch. 
He says, do you think that the level of play we saw from Brissett on Sunday is sustainable across the remaining nine games? Boy, that would be nice because we got a uh, pretty nice offensive effort uh, out of Brissett uh, uh, last Sunday. Well, I mean, it's sustainable because he, he showed what he could do. He played within himself. Um, the first game, you know, on that last drive, he did what he had to do to get him in position to win. You look at the other day, 22 out of 27, two of his incompletions were touchdown passes that Najoku didn't get his feet in bounds and Peoples Jones didn't get his feet in bounds. And he had the interception at the end of the game, which I don't blame him. He's trying to make a play because it was now or never. And uh, he ran for 40 some yards. And so he didn't turn the ball over till, you know, obviously the last play, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think that he won't be that good, but I don't think he'll necessarily be as bad as he was against the Panthers. So if he can just play somewhere in between, like I said, in my story, the offense and Brissett was the least of the worries. Everybody all week. Oh no. What are we going to do with the corner? You know, if Deshaun Watson comes back in after the 11 games, he couldn't, you know, it's not going to make that much more of a difference than what you saw with Brissett the other day. Mm-hmm. He might've made one more play and that might've been the difference, but you can't expect him to go six and oh, when he shows up, I mean, that's unrealistic. Right. So you hope Brissett can continue playing solid. If the defense just gets it together, you would have had a blowout the other day. Yeah, And if Brissett would have played like he did, this week you'd had a blowout in the first game you know so right. i just think if he can put up you know the 20 to 25 points the defense should be able to hold the opponent you know in check it, mm-hmm. the big question is when you start playing justin herbert and joe burrow and you know the likes of josh allen and and all them you know what do you, lamar jackson are you going to you know rise the challenge like you did last year or are you going to continue to play bad i think they're i think they got the message and i think they're going to show up thursday night that's my my thought right now well i certainly hope you're right we got just a couple of minutes for additional questions i'm going to throw this one at you this is a tough question from t lister i don't know if uh, you feel comfortable answering it but uh, he asks if it's possible that stefanski's just too nice to be a head coach. No, I don't think that there's a question there. Um, I don't know behind the scenes, you know, you don't have to be a dictator and you don't have to swear and kick things and do all that kind of stuff. You just have to have the players respect and you have to have enough discipline that they know that if, if they, they're going to be held accountable, if they don't play well, that they're going to be benched or a coach or whatever that we expect you to do your job. And um, I just said some of that earlier that I just feel like it'd be nice to see a little fire. He's so, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't tell if they win by 50 or lose by 50 and it's good when they win, but when they lose, you just, you know, the fans would like to you to feel their frustration, you know, because Mm -hmm. it comes across as, it's on me. I should yeah. do better. You know, well, is that really, is that really not throwing your player under the bus or whatever? I get that, but 
sometimes you'd like to throw your player under the bus. So your <laughs> player gets up there and, and corrects his mistakes. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, it's a hard to answer question. Uh, another question that's probably hard to answer comes from Tysox15. Wants to know, does uh, Stefanski oversee the defensive strategy in advance or does he just let Woods go? And uh, I'm not sure how much Stefanski's hands are on that defense. Yeah, I think he trusts him and lets him go. I think he hears what's going on and so forth. One of the questions about turning over the play calling, you know, and, and letting Van Pelt be the offensive coordinator truly you know, in the game he called that playoff game, I think the Browns put up 45, 48 points. It looked pretty mm-hmm. good in that. Um, right. That end of game, a lot of discussion about the Nick Chubb. Should he have scored a touchdown? If Stefanski's not worried about playing play calling and all that, it seems like he can look at the bigger picture and right. see what's going on with special teams, what's going on with defense and all this, and be more of an overall instead of – I know me, if I'm the offensive coordinator – I got to be thinking of what play to call. How can I be thinking about, you know, all this other stuff? And I just think they Mm -hmm. have so many people in his ear on analytics saying, do this, do that, do that. I can be on a phone call and, you know, my dear wife could, could try to mouth me something and I can't even handle that. I I mean, I can only do (laughs) one thing at a time. I don't know how they have people talking in all their ears on do this, run this play, run that. Oh, you better kneel. You better, you know, it's, I just think you got to delegate a little bit more. And one of the things will be the play calls. I don't think Stefanski's that much better than Van Pelt would be because Van Pelt's been on every headset and has heard everything. And Mm -hmm. he said, he has input too. How about run this? How about, and they're all in it together. So that's my, my, Thing. I think Stefanski, gets time now. You trust your staff, but you got to get more involved, you know, in the defense and the special teams and not just say, what'd you do wrong? What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Uh, I tell you what, uh, we are out of time for the night. Uh, a couple questions I didn't get to. Let me apologize for that. A uh, lot of great questions tonight from people. Really appreciate the the feedback and the, and the constant uh Questions for Fred. It lets lets me uh, uh, get through this without having to uh, spend too much time preparing, uh, which is really great. But Fred, I do appreciate uh, your wisdom as always uh, tonight and your expertise. So thank you very much for answering my questions and the questions of folks in the chat room. And uh, we will be here again next Wednesday as the Browns have a long week off between games and. Uh, Who knows what we're going to have to talk about next Wednesday, Uh, but we'll be here, uh, Fred and I both, for OBR Weekly next Wednesday at 7 p.m., and we will see you then. So long. Thank you. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.